And I invite you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 10. And this morning we're continuing our series on the I am statements of Jesus. I'm calling this series the red letters. And many of you have a Bible in the New Testament and, and you'll have those, those words of Jesus uh, and they're, they're colored in red. And I want us to look over these next few weeks leading up to Easter uh, on uh, those, some of those I am statements, some of those sayings of Jesus. And most of these statements, as I mentioned last week, are, were statements that Jesus made on location. Uh, you think of it, uh, last week it, we talked about what, the time when Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he, he was in the, the outer courts of the temple where there were those, those tall uh, torches and they were burning bright. And in that setting, he, he proclaims, I'm the light of the world. Well, today, the exact same thing I want us to look at is, is Jesus on location, on site, making another statement. It's almost like a parent uh, with, a, with a child alongside of a stream or a brook and, and, and stopping their, their kid. And maybe you've done this as a parent and said, hey, let me teach you something. Let me tell you something. Maybe you stopped off at a, at a garden and you, you gave a, a, a lesson on, on watering a seed and the sunshine and how that seed grows. Well, Jesus was doing this exact same thing. And again, here in John 10, he makes the statement and he uses this, the environment around him and he says, I am the good shepherd. If you've been to Israel or seen pictures, or you know that there, there were sheep and shepherds all around. So this was a part of the environment that Jesus was in. Now, I need to tell you, uh, well, many of you know, I grew up in the city and uh, um, so I, I didn't get out to the farm much. I, I definitely didn't get around sheep and shepherds uh, at all growing up. But I, I have to tell you uh, that I, when I went to college, I was exposed to the rural way of life. Not only was our college out of the city, but I had a couple of roommates who were definitely hick. They were definitely country. They were definitely um, redneck, although I don't, I don't know if we had rednecks in Canada. But anyways, they were definitely rural and farm boys. So I, I had a little bit of a bat into that. The first one was, I remember my first year of college, we were sitting in the, the, the lounge area of our college dorm late one Sunday night, and all of a sudden, our, our roommate, Steve, comes bursting in the door. Now, I have to tell you, Steve was a little odd. Um, just, he, he loved the, the shock factor, the shock value. Well, he comes bursting in the door, almost like Kramer from Seinfeld. He comes walking in, and he, he's, hey guys, and he's got this, this black plastic um, trash bag in his hand and there's something in the bag. And so all of us are curious. We're like, Steve, what's in the bag? And with a smirk on his face, he says, it's a goose. And we're like, no, 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 no. Tell us what's in the bag. Tell us what's in the bag. He says, it's a goose. And um, so sure enough, we all jump up because to say it twice, he must be honest. So we jump up and sure enough, inside of this black uh, garbage bag is a goose. Now the goose had, had passed away and we're all curious, where'd you get the goose? What happened? And, and in, in sure Steve style, he had a story. He was making his way back. It was late at night. It was that Sunday night. He was making his way back to campus. And I mentioned we're out in the, in the, in the rural areas, out in the farmlands. And he said, I came around this corner doing 40 and all of a sudden in the middle of the road were these two geese and he says I slammed on the brakes but it was too late and one of them unfortunately succumbed to the front bumper of my car and he says well I looked around got out and looked around the other goose fled and I, I didn't know what to do there was no farmhouse around so I wasn't going to let a good goose go to waste so I brought it home and 
So anyways, we were laughing and we thought, yeah, what are you going to do with it? No word of a lie. The next day, he, he had the, the cooks at the cafeteria actually cook the goose up for him. Uh, there were details that you don't want to know, but that was a baptism of mine uh, into the rural way of life, I guess. Another story, another quick story. Um, another roommate of mine uh, lived in Alberta, and one spring break, we went up to his, uh, his family uh, farm up in Alberta. It's on the prairies of Canada, and um, their family had thousands and thousands of acres. His name was Jeff, and he invited me to come up and just to experience a little bit of uh, time away from the city. And we went out there and, and they grow a whole uh, bunch of crops, uh, wheat and canola and that. But the other part of their farm, which was a massive operation, was a turkey farm. And they had barn after barn and it seemed like mile after mile of, of these barns. And every morning, my roommate Jeff, he would have to get up and it was just a part of his duty where he'd have to go through and walk through the barns. And he asked me to come with him. And so we did. And I tell you, I had never done that before. And believe me, I don't ever want to do that again. But I tell you, all I can say is I'm thankful that Jesus wasn't walking through a turkey farm when he came up with this idea. But instead, Jesus was surrounded by these, these sheep and these shepherds, and he says, I am the good shepherd. Take a look at this phrase that he, he gives. Uh, look at verse 1 of chapter 10. Jesus is teaching, and he's particularly talking to the Pharisees, although other, um, uh, uh, other followers are around. But it's important to note that he was specifically here talking to Pharisees. In verse 1 of chapter 10 of the book of John, he says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. And I, I want to just get... Help you with this picture and get this picture in your mind. There's a there's a, a settlement, and outside of the settlement is a, is a sheep pen. Uh, back in those days, it would have been formed with rock and it would have had a gate at one end. But there was a pen where the sheep were kept safe at night. So you have the the settlement and the the sheep fold or the sheep pen, and then you have the the grazing land around the the, the farm. You also have three individuals or, or, or three um, uh, groups that, uh, that Jesus is talking about. He says, first of all, there's a gatekeeper, the one who is, is at the gate and, and, and making sure that the gate is closed and, and, and it's open at the right time. And then there's a shepherd and then there's sheep. So you have a gate, a keeper, you have a shepherd and you have sheep as well as this pan and the grazing land. So this is the picture I want you to have in your mind. And typically back then, the pens were shared um, places to, to put sheep. Sheep from all surrounding farms would come and they'd be kept in this, this place. Years ago, uh, Dana and I and Gabe had a chance to visit Ireland, and it was, it was bizarre if you've ever seen pictures, because uh, the, the shepherds there, they'll paint their sheep. Like they'll put numbers on the side of them, almost like spray paint and that, and they'll just let them mix and mingle, and, and that's their way of knowing what sheep are theirs. 
And so in similar way, back in Jesus' day, uh, sheep from different farms and different shepherds would be kept in the same place. And here we have this shepherd calling the sheep out. The shepherd would then lead them out of this, this pen. Uh, they'd call their each individual sheep, and they'd call them out of the pen and then into this grazing land. And this is what Jesus was talking about. So look at verse 6 of John chapter 10. The story continues, and here John says that those who heard Jesus use this illustration, didn't understand what he meant. And so he explained it to them. It's almost like those conversations you'll have with somebody and they're daydreamer or that, and they'll say, can you repeat what you said? Well, here Jesus had, had told this first part of it, and then all of a sudden they say, hey, just wait, 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 we, we don't understand what you're talking about. So John goes on to say that Jesus explained it to them. And Jesus goes on to say, I tell you the truth. He says, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. And I'm sure he's kind of glancing out of the corner of his eye to the Pharisees that he's talking to. He says, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Again, he says, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They who come and go freely will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and to destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Then he switches gears here and look at verse 11. And he, gives, he gives another statement here. And this is one I want us to look at more closely today. Verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand won't sacrifice his life at all, but, but will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away, Jesus says, because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. And then again, just in the same way that Jesus said, I'm the gate, he, he makes that statement twice. Here he makes this statement again. I am a good shepherd, verse 14. I know my sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. So there's a couple of sections here. The first section is in verse six where Jesus says, I'm the gate or I'm the gatekeeper. And as I mentioned, he says that twice. There's an obvious difference. He sets us up against the thieves and the robbers. He says, I'm the gate or I'm the gatekeeper and, and there's a difference between me and the thieves and the robbers. There are those who had come before. They're false prophets and Pharisees, those with ulterior motives. And they acted contrary to that of the protector. And Jesus says, the thief, the thief's motives are to steal and to kill and to destroy. But he goes on to say the gatekeeper's motives are to bring life and life to the fullest. I want you to think about your house for a second. You have a front door, and uh, obviously, it, it, I would guess, it has a lock on it. And you open and close that door based on your comings and goings. If you want to keep things out, you close the door and you lock it. 
Um, unfortunately, one Saturday, uh, we got busy around the house and we went out shopping and came home late. And uh, believe it or not, the front door was wide open. And, and initial shock is, oh no, who's robbed our house? Who's, who's broken in and that? And then Dana and I figured out, well, Dana figured out that, that it was me who left the front door open and it was open all day. Not a good thing, not a wise thing, uh, especially husbands, don't do that. I, I highly recommend you not doing that. But there's a door for a reason. It's open to let things in. It's closed to keep things out. You think about your bank account. You have a password on, your, uh, on the electronic access. No password, no security. Um, Pastor Barry and I earlier today were, were joking about you know, passwords. You know, try pass- He'd forgotten a password. I said, did you try password one, two, three, four? And he laughed. You know, no password is, is free reign for people to come in. You see, there's a marked difference between the gatekeeper, that, that person who will protect, and the person who will not. The person who does have your best interest in mind, the person who doesn't. So Jesus says, I am the gatekeeper. I am the gate. I'm the one who protects. The second section, in verse, it starts in verse 11. Jesus says, I'm, I'm the good shepherd, and he contrasts that against the hired hands. He says there's a difference. In the same way, there's a difference between the gatekeeper and the thieves. There's a difference between the, the, the good shepherd and the hired hand. One will abandon when, it, when attacked. One will stay and fight to the death. One will give real protection. One gives false security. And to the sheep, Jesus says, the difference is obvious. The difference is blatant. And as Jesus was teaching, he was speaking to the Pharisees. He was directing it to them. But, but as I mentioned before, there were other people around. His followers, he was speaking to them. And, and truly, I believe that Jesus was speaking to us as well. You see, he is the, gate, the gatekeeper. He is the shepherd. He is the good shepherd, and we are the sheep. And from that, it's important for us to recognize a couple of things. And the first one is this. It involves a relationship. As Jesus tells the story, there's this relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. They know his voice. He knows them. They know him. And most important objective for me as as your pastor here at Crossroads Church is that you know the good shepherd. You know, oftentimes we'll have uh, a discover class. Uh, If you're new to Crossroads, uh, we invite you to a lunch after service on a Sunday morning. And and I get to share about the heart and the ministry of Crossroads. And before I even start into details and and those those unique uh, things that that, uh, make us who we are as a church, I I have to start at this place. I start here every time. I say, you know what? Everything else is secondary to your relationship with Jesus Christ. And our role and our job, first and foremost, is that you know the Father. You know our Father in heaven through his Son, Jesus Christ. That is the most important thing, a personal relationship with God through his Son, Jesus Christ. And you see, over and over and over, Jesus taught this. He says, that's why I came. You see, there's this separation between you and God because of sin. You see, the sheep pen is a perfect illustration. There are those who are in and those who are out. Jesus goes on and talks about there's one group and there's another group. Those who know me and those who don't. 
And you see, Jesus came not to exclude and, and to ignore those who were out, but he came to rescue and to transfer those who were outside, those who, who were, were, are not known, and to deliver them from that one group into his own. Jesus leaves the decision to you. And at that time of decision, when you make that decision to allow Jesus to be the leader and the forgiver of your life, when you surrender your life to him, there's a relationship that takes place. May I even use the word ownership? Just like the shepherd owns the sheep. You see, we are included into the family of God through salvation. It's important to know that we are his when we surrender our lives to him. John 1 in verse 12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, a part of his family. In John 3, we know that uh, familiar verse that said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It goes on to say that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him that we would be called his own. And as a result, we belong to him. And with all the rights and privileges and benefits that go along with that, just as Jesus was talking about the sheep in the pen, the rights and privileges and benefits of being a part of his flock. It's a place to call home. It's uh, kind of like back to that image of the sheep in the pastures in Ireland where the, the shepherd would paint the sheep with his color, my color pink or blue or that. And the image I get is as we surrender our lives to the Savior, he comes in, I know it's kind of a crude illustration, but he paints us, he paints our heart. He calls us his own, he claims us for himself. And you see today in all this uncertainty that we have, he, our shepherd, Jesus Christ, is the constant amidst all the variables. We can have the confidence and assurance, even in the midst of troubled times. In the book of First Peter, uh, Peter talks all about that, that we can have the assurance of our faith, even when everything else is crumbling around us. I love the psalmist in Psalm 16. He says, because the Lord is on my side, I will not be shaken. So there's this relationship that we have, first and foremost. And result of belonging, second thing, is that we are all assured of his care and his protection. Jesus says, I'm the gatekeeper. I'm the one who protects. You see, we have an enemy. The church has an enemy. Christ followers have an enemy. Those created in the image of God have an enemy. Jesus says... There are thieves and robbers. There are those who come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And you see, David knew this firsthand. David was a shepherd, right? In the 23rd Psalm, a psalm that we all know so well, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. I love this line. He refreshes my soul. Anyone need a little refreshing today? He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest of valleys, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
Some of you might think, well, how does a rod and a staff comfort? And you think about that, a shepherd with a shepherd's staff refers to kind of the nudging that we need from time to time, keeping us on the right track. A staff is used, obviously, for hitting some wolves and some wild animals over the head, keeping them away from the flock. One commentator, one theologian suggested that a staff is something that a shepherd would lean on when tired or when feeling exhausted. And in the same way, a staff would comfort a shepherd. David goes on to say, Lord, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a picture of provision and protection, a picture of guidance and blessing. And you know, I got thinking about this, the protection, it's not just a fence of isolation. You know, today, and you're isolated in your home. We're isolated from each other. And oftentimes we get feeling that, that, that God as, as this, this protector is to keep us pinned in and to keep us away and isolated from everything. But you look at the picture and the illustration that Jesus gives. He says, I'm the good shepherd. And what does he do? He leads the sheep out of the pen into doing what sheep do into discovering their true identity, into the freedom that he brings. And I truly believe that's a picture for each and every one of us. It's an open door to fulfillment, to purpose, to joy, to sustenance, all things that God wants to bless us with. He is the good shepherd. He is the gatekeeper. Psalm 3 says, Lord, you are a shield about me. You're my glory. You're the lifter of my head. Psalm 91 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And Psalm 46 says, He is my refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. I'm asking the worship team to come and join me. We're going to close in just a moment. But I want you to picture that scene that Jesus painted, that illustration of a settlement and a pen where the sheep are kept. And then the grazing land. And hopefully Psalm 23 would come to mind. You see it's our shepherd Jesus Christ who leads us. He is the good shepherd and he leads us and wants to lead us even today into that wonderful pasture land of joy and freedom and goodness. I'm inviting you to bow your heads and close your eyes right where you're at. And I believe, as I mentioned before, that the most important decision that you could make this morning is to turn your life to Jesus Christ. If you haven't done it, now would be a wonderful time to do it. And I just want to lead you through that prayer. It's a prayer of saying, first of all, I'm sorry. Sorry for the things I've done. Sorry for the sin that I've turned from you. It's a matter of saying, please, Lord, would you forgive me Going on to say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on a cross for my sins and then receiving the eternal life that he has for you and receiving his Holy Spirit that he said will come and dwell within you. So if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I invite you to just pray along with me. Lord Jesus, 
I'm sorry for the things I've done. And would you just take a moment to, to think through those things that, and those things you've done and those things, those places where you've fallen short of God's requirements and God's holiness. Lord, we're sorry for those things. And then just simply ask him, Lord, would you please forgive me? Lord, I thank you for surrendering surrendering yourself, for dying on a cross, for giving your life so that I would live, for shedding your blood, that I would receive eternal life. And so I do that right now, Lord. I receive your life, your eternal life, and I receive your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name. And Lord, right now I pray for all those gathered watching right now. I pray that the peace and the presence of your Holy Spirit would be in our midst today. Lord, as we prayed earlier, we have some deep, deep needs personally, as a community, as a country, and as a world. And Lord, we believe that you are the answer. We believe that you have the keys to life. And so we look to you and we turn to you. Lord, our faith is in you, our hope is in you, our trust is in in you. And because of that, we will not be shaken. So Lord, I pray a blessing over men and women, husbands and wives, young people and old people. Pray your blessing on homes, marriages, families, your goodness to us. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. We'll see you soon.